These are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. For they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychius, be diligent to come unto me, Nicolopus, and I, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they, may, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Now, we have established through the preaching, through my preaching ministry and through the Word of God, that salvation is not attained by works. Can I get amen out of that? For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You look back in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. We preached this verse this morning. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. How many rejoice in that tonight? That not by our works, not by what we could do. One fellow said, I didn't get saved by my works, I didn't get saved by the waters, and I didn't get saved by the wafers of the Catholic Church. I got saved by the blood and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad it's that way, amen. If it was by works, I'd always be trying to wonder, have I done enough works? Have I done enough good deeds? But I'm so glad that Jesus offers a free gift of salvation. One of the things we do around here at the church for our church children is that during that Christmas party, we buy Christmas gifts for all the kids. There's nothing more that, uh, that I enjoy more uh, than sitting around here on that Sunday night watching all those kids tear into those presents and, and, and enjoy that. And you know what we do? We don't, I don't walk up to those kids after the party and say, all right, now you owe me money for those. You owe me something for those gifts. No, those are a gift that we are glad to provide. We are glad to give to them. And aren't you glad salvation is called a gift of God? God doesn't save us and then stick His hand out and say, All right, now you got to pay me back. No, that was all taken care of. We referenced the song this morning. Jesus paid it all and all to Him I owe. I'm glad the debt has been paid and I rejoice and I thank God for that this evening. But this chapter, three times talks about good works. If you look in verse number 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Verse number 8, be careful to maintain good works. Verse number 14, and let ours also learn to maintain good works. I want to preach on that thought tonight, maintaining good works. Now, in verse number 8, there are two things we know by way of introduction. First of all, there is a constant reminder. He said, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou constantly affirm. Here's what Paul is encouraging Titus to do. Paul is encouraging Titus 
to preach the whole counsel of God. He said, Titus, you need to preach that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Titus, you need to preach that. He said, but you also need to constantly preach that we're to maintain good works. He said in Titus chapter 2, verse number 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. We've said over and over again, doctrine is what we believe, but sound doctrine is how we behave. So here's what Paul is telling Titus to do. Titus, you need to constantly preach on how a believer is supposed to live. It's a constant reminder. Well, preacher, why do you always have to deal with how we ought to live? Because the Word of God commands us to constantly affirm. There is a constant reminder, but then there is the Christian's responsibility that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. That careful means full of care. It gives the idea that every day we live, we should be constantly confronted with the fact of how we are living our Christian life. Hey, a real preacher will tell you how to get to heaven and how to know God when you die. Amen? But a real preacher also tell you how to live while you're on your way to heaven. I have heard, I have heard church members say of, of other churches, well, our preacher don't preach on how we ought to dress or how we ought to live because he knows if he'd done that, everybody would leave. Well, I mean, does he have a doctrinal church? He would have a hard time with Paul's admonition to Titus in this text. He said, you constantly affirm them to maintain good works. Now, let me, and we'll get more of it in the message in a moment. This is not to be saved. We have, we, we're emphasizing, I'm not doing what I do to be saved. Hey, that was taken care of on that cross. Thank God for that. But since I am saved, I'm to maintain good works. A Christian's responsibility. The word translated maintain here comes from a word that is used in the sense of presiding or ruling over. Here it indicates that we should give attention to our good works. You know, you've got, you have a vehicle, and you know what you have every once in a while? You'll have that check, check oil or, or, or maintenance required light. Come on. Why do you change the oil? Why will I go this week, Lord willing, if the, if that dealership can get me in, because I still got three free oil changes. Amen. Why will I go and do that? Because I want to maintain my vehicle and keep it running. That's why I check the oil. Amen. I have had those vehicles, though, where you pull up at the gas station and you fill it up with oil and check the gas. How many of y'all had those vehicles before? Amen. Besides me and William. Amen. But what I'm saying tonight is we need to maintain what we do for God. Are y'all with me tonight? Maintaining good works. Now, I thought about this. If I'm going to maintain good works, that means I've got to be working. That means I've got to have some works. Can I ask you a question tonight? Are you doing anything for God? Are you involved in anything in the work of the Lord? And if so... You need to keep doing what you're doing. There are three things in this text about good works tonight that I want to say quickly to you. First of all, there is the definition of good works. When the Bible speaks of maintaining good works, what is the Bible talking about here? Well, look at verse number 8. First of all, I want us to know that faith precedes work. Do you hear what I said? Faith precedes work. In other words, faith comes before works. Look at verse number 8, please. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God. That's faith. 
He said, those that are saved, He said, if you've got your faith right, faith always precedes work. He's not talking to lost people in verse 8. He's talking to the church. He's talking to saved people. He, he not only affirms this truth in biblical truth, but He lays it out in order in the verse. So faith precedes work, but then secondly, faith produces work. Look at verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God, that's faith, might be careful to maintain good works. Faith not only precedes work, but faith will produce works. If one has real faith, it will produce real works. Let me say it like this. If something is alive, it's going to grow. These, these, the, there is a difference between this item of, of agriculture and this item of agriculture. There's a vast difference. They're both beautiful to look at. But this right here, you don't have to water it. You don't have to put it in sunshine. You don't have to put it in soil. There is no soil down there and that. And whatever it is that is, vase or vase for you fancy people. Eric, there, there's no soil in there, but, but this right here has got some dirt in it. It's got some soil in it. I'm doing my best not to kill it. In fact, tonight, somebody carried outside after church. Is this supposed to freeze tonight? I, I don't think it is. We've got to keep the frost off of it. You know what? I have to water it. I'm having to keep it in the sunshine. Why? Because it has life to it. You know how I know this thing has life to it? Because it's still blooming. It's growing. We put them. We put them plants out there two years ago, out there in the rock, the the little fluffy whatever the thing. I don't even know what to call them. We planted those things, and, and Rick, don't laugh at me. You don't know what they're called either. And but you know what? Those things were small. When we planted, them, and those things have got big. You know why they've got big? Because they're growing. They have life in them. So if you have life in you, if Jesus lives in you, there ought to be some growth. There ought to be some growing spiritually in your life. Have you grown any this year in 2023? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Have you grown in your spiritual life in 2023? Or are you like one of these right here that you don't require anything and you really look good, but there's no substance? Faith produces works. One writer said, The good works of a godly believer are quite different. They partake in the character of the Lord's good works. Now, the Pharisees had a lot of works, but they weren't good works. They were contrary to the Lord. They were trying to keep people from getting to Jesus. Now, here's what, here's what Acts chapter 10 talks about the Lord the Bible said in Acts 10, 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. So if I'm to personify and be a Christian, then I ought to go around doing good. Now, these verses in James chapter 2 throws people off. Turn to James chapter 2. Y'all still with me? I feel like my voice is trying to cut out on me a little bit. <clears throat> I rode with Miss Janice this week, and she vapes, and it just uh, just gets down in my throat. Amen. I'm just kidding, sweetie. It's all right. James chapter 2. I know you heard it, Charles. James chapter 2. Look at verse number 14. 
These verses throw people off sometimes. James chapter 2 verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man may say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, if even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Now what's James teaching here? Is James teaching that you have to have works and faith to be saved? Now, on the, on the surface, it looks like that. But we've got to remember that we have a whole Bible. We have a full canon of the Scriptures. Amen? So what's James saying? Well, I never noticed this to today, but it's very clear. He is talking about a man here that says he has something, but he don't produce anything. Watch what he says in verse number 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So that man, say somebody come in here tonight that had needs. Maybe they're cold. Maybe they're hungry. And we say, you know what? Be warmed and filled. We said something, but we didn't produce anything to help them. That faith is dead because it don't have no works to back it up. So here's what James is talking about. James is talking about people, they profess that they know God, but in works deny Him. Wait a minute. It sounds like I've read something like that in the book of Titus. Titus 1.16. He's talking about those false teachers. Here's what James is saying here. James is saying, if real faith is on the inside, it will show up on the outside. It is not saying uh, that we have to have faith and works mixed together to be saved. But here's what it's saying. It's saying that if you've got real faith on the inside and you've been saved, somebody as big as God moving the inside, he's going to stick out somewhere. It's going to come out. It's going to come out. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Jesus Christ unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Now what's a good work? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 5. 1 Timothy 5. We didn't have a lot of singing tonight. I want to finish up this book, Lord being my helper. But I want you to see this tonight. 1 Timothy 5. What are some good works? I especially want the mamas to see this, all right? I want you ladies to see I'm being serious. I want you all to see this. Because sometimes the mothers think they're not doing anything for the Lord. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 9. Let not a widow be taken in number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Verse 10. Well reported for good works. Now what are her good works? If she had brought up children. Hey, mama. You may feel like you're not doing anything for God, but right there, Paul said, if you're bringing up children, that is a good work. That's a good thing. Watch. If she had lodged strangers 
if she had washed the feet of the saints, if she had relieved the afflicted, if she had diligently followed every good work. What is this? What is a good work? What is this lady doing? She is serving others and she is raising her family. That's a good work. That's a good work. You ladies around here that have little children, and I know sometimes it's hard bringing them to church and trying to get them to sit there and be quiet and, and the whole nine yards. I know Miss Delina really struggles with that with her, you know, trying to keep these three quiet. Amen. Uh, but you struggle with these little ones. I'm telling you, you're doing a good work. Raise no children is a good work. You ladies around here and you men that help clean up and help take out the trash and, and do things around the church, that's a good work. That is service. That is service. Turn to First Peter now. The book of First Peter. Let me show you another good work. First Peter chapter chapter number two. Y'all y'all with me tonight? We're talking about maintaining good works. First Peter chapter number two. Verse eleven and twelve. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. He said, you know what a good work is? And we'll quote it later, but a good work is something that the world sees. I think Jesus made this statement. Let your light shine before men that they may see your, help me, good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another, provoke one another, un, uh, and to provoke unto love and to good works. You know what the next verse says? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Did you know the preacher could... The preacher's not the only one that can call and check on somebody who wasn't at church yesterday or on Sunday. You can send out a text and even let the preacher know, hey, here's why so-and-so wasn't here. I'm not trying to derelict my duties, but sometimes it's a blessing to somebody else when they get a call from somebody who's not the preacher checking in on them. Because sometimes people feel like the preacher, he has to do that, that's what they pay him for. That's not what you pay me for, but you know how people are. But man, if you just do that's a good work. That's a good work. Good works are showing the kindness and the love of God to others. Remember we talked about the kindness and the love of God that we saw in verse 4? It's showing that to others. Amen? That's the definition of good works. Number 2, I hasten. Verse 9, 10, and 11 are the deterrence to good works. We have the definition of good works. Deterrence, D-E-E. T-E-R-R-E-N-T-S. I know that's a word we don't use much. Deterrence. It's those things that block us. In other words, whenever you decide that you're going to get involved in doing something for the glory and honor of God, mark it down. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be things. two things in these verses. Let me give them to you quickly. First of all, there are the hindrances in verse number 9. Look at it. But avoid foolish questions. What does he mean by foolish questions? Well, in 1 Peter 3, he teaches us that we ought to be ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth in us. Some people take that verse and say, hey, we're not going to... We criticize what we do here on Sunday morning sometimes in Sunday school asking Bible questions. I ain't going to do that because y'all get some weird questions about, uh, about uh, uh, the gap and about uh, the gap theory and about the sons of God and the daughters of men. It's real simple. Amen. Uh, I mean, y'all get all them foolish... And Paul said to avoid foolish questions. That ain't what he's talking about here. 
When y'all ask a question, y'all know y'all, y'all ain't asking to be argumentative. You're asking if you'd like to know a Bible answer. And you know me well enough, sometimes I've looked at it and said, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to study it out, try to look. These people, they're just wanting to argue. They're not seeking an answer. They're looking for an argument. And the Bible says only by pride cometh contention. You try to do something for God, you try to go out and witness sometimes, you may find somebody, what, they want to argue. They're not seeking an answer. They're seeking for an argument. Paul said avoid them. Watch this. And genealogies. Does that mean I don't read Chronicles? Does that mean I don't read Matthew 1 and Luke 3 where he gives the genealogies? No. These genealogies were people arguing about, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm from the tribe of so-and-so, and I met... No, they were arguing about trying to put themselves forward. Paul said, quit arguing about who's better. That's pride. And contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. It's not talking about the law of God. I believe we ought to discuss the Word of God. I believe we ought to challenge one another in our Bible study. Me and Brother Gregory sat at the Cracker Barrel Sunday night after church, and, and we got in some good conversation, not arguing. What we was doing, we iron sharpened the iron. We were challenging one another. I enjoyed that. I believe the Lord's pleased with that. But these people are just wanting to argue to hinder the work of the Lord. That's them JWs that show up at your house. They want to argue. That's the more, and you ought to be kind to them. You don't need to invite them to your house. Amen. My policy is I'll take their stuff. They take one of my tracks. I can throw that. I can throw their trash away. Amen. They won't take one of your tracks, though. They're instructed not to. So you don't take their stuff. If they don't take your stuff, and you don't bid them Godspeed. Amen. But you you also don't be a jerk for Jesus. Somebody help me. You be kind. And say, I'm a born-again Christian. I don't want to argue with you, but I want to give you a gospel track, and I'll take yours if you'll take mine. And then when, they, when, they get your, when you get their stuff, and you go in the house, you just throw it in the trash. Somebody says, I don't want to waste that. Yeah, so somebody else don't read it. Amen. Amen. But they want to, yes, good fire starter. They want to argue about the Bible. They don't want to discuss it. Paul said, avoid them. Contention, strivings about the law. Watch why. For they are unprofitable and vain. You never get anywhere. This word unprofitable means not beneficial, not serving a useful purpose. Vain means void of results. You know what these people are when they stand there and get you to argue with them for 30 minutes? They're successful in their endeavor to hinder the work of God. So we deal with the hindrances. But then notice the heretics, verse 10 and 11. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition rejects knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Now what does this have to do with good works? These are the people trying to block good works. Are y'all still women tonight? I don't want to bore y'all. I really don't. All right. What is a heretic? The word heretic means one who follows false doctrine. But that word has a deeper definition. The root word conveys the idea of a choice or deliberately chosen opinion. A heretic is a person who rejects sound biblical doctrine and goes with other ideas. He is self, has self-willed opinions that leads to divisions in the church. That's a big definition. That's a big, long definition for a heretic. Here's what that means. He is one that adamantly and knowingly tries to sow division and false doctrine within a church. 
He's a heretic. Now, how do you deal with this? Well, in verse 10, a man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, you reject him. That means you speak to him twice about it. That word admonition means to exhort. It means to convince. It means to take the Scriptures and show him. Say if we had an individual in our church that was trying to spread false doctrine and division and or division, what would we do? We would go to him with the Scriptures and say, you're causing division. Somebody said, well, he's not trying to bring in a false doctrine. Yeah, but if he's causing division, he might as well bring in a false doctrine. It's the same result. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs, he that soweth discord among the brethren, God hates that. He hates it. Somebody going around trying to cause division. And, 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 and in fact, Proverbs chapter 6 says he talketh with his fingers. Let, let's, let's look at that real quick. Y'all want to look at that? I do. Proverbs 6. It's, it's only 547. Somewhere. No, it's 647. We will be done at 7 o'clock, I promise you. 13 minutes. Y'all give me 13 minutes. Proverbs 6. He talks about this. Verse number 12. A naughty person and a wicked man walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He's appealing. He speaketh with his fingers. He, he, he speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. This man's a heretic. God said he hated that. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know of anything in our church now. This is good preventive maintenance. If there is a heretic in here, hopefully this will run you out. Amen. But we don't need, we don't need any of that in our church. We don't need people going and getting this little group together and getting that little group together. And well, what do you think about how the preacher done that? What do you think about how so-and-so done that? Be a man and come talk to me. You know, that don't bother me. I appreciate that. I appreciate when somebody has a question and they just come face-to-face -face and say, Preacher, I have a question about this. Can you explain this to me? I respect that. Because you, you give me a benefit. Because, you know, sometimes a pastor, I can misspeak. And you give me an opportunity to clarify that if I didn't miss, misspeak, here's what I meant. And here's why I believe it. Here's why I said that. Or here's why we handled this. Here's why we've done that. Sometimes we do things that we can't tell you the reason why because of people's confidence we've been entrusted with. Amen. Sometimes that happens. But you know what don't help? Is going around and talking about it. They cause division in the church. Miss Janice didn't know I was preaching on this text tonight. But at lunch today, she gave me, a, gave me the perfect illustration of this. Years ago in this church, and I don't, have, I don't have any problem telling this tonight because it's true, and it illustrates Titus chapter 3, verses 9, 10, and 11. There was a man that rose up against the former pastor of this church and rose up against the leadership of this church and was causing division in the church. And was, and was sowing discord in the church. By the way, I ripped his name off the nameplates in the windows. Amen. He's a heretic. And he was causing division in the church and got in a physical altercation with another member in the church. The other member was right. I'd have knocked his block off too. Amen. But 
that, that went on. And that man threatened to sue this other man. He put his hand on him first and threatened to sue him and for a long sort of bench. You know what happened to that man that was so in division in the church? He blew his brains out. Now, we don't rejoice in that. We don't rejoice in that at all. That was a family that lost a loved one. We don't rejoice in that. But you know what? You know what Proverbs said? He said he'll bring his own calamity. It's in my text. Titus 2, look at Titus 3, verse 11. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. You know what that gentleman thought he was doing? He thought he was hurting the church. But he was really destroying himself. We don't rejoice in that man's death. We don't rejoice in that at all. But Proverbs 6 and Titus 3 illustrates and gives that principle. You're not going to destroy God's church. The church is going to roll on. That man was a heretic. He had been admonished. And he rejected it. And the church rejected him. You know what he was trying to do, whether he realized it or not? He was trying to hinder the work of this church. He was trying to hinder the good works of this church. Is that not right? It's what he is doing. We don't, we don't rejoice in that. But we, re, we, we have to obey the Word of God and be honorable to the Scriptures. We have to keep our mouth in check. We all have one. My, my daddy used to say, God gave me two ears and one mouth because he wants me to listen twice as much as I talk. And I talk a lot. Go ahead. Now, I was talking to Grace, not Janice and Patty, all right? Had a whole little hallelujah course over there. Better be careful with our words because there's little ones listening. There's little ones listening. And you may have an issue with somebody in the church. You may not like how they've done this. You may not like what they said. But don't hinder that. Don't hurt that person's testimony in front of your children. Because they look at them as somebody that goes to church, that's an adult in the church, that you've taught them to have respect for those elders in the church. You may not like me. That's okay. I don't like me half the time. But don't run me down in front of your kids because I'm, I'm the one preaching the Word of God to them, trying to give them to Jesus. And you don't want to sit there and say, well, I heard what Mama said about him. Or I heard what Mama said about her. I heard what Daddy said about them. So I ain't. No, we better guard our words. We think it's so in division is going to other adults in the church. Sometimes we can so division our children and not even realize it. Gotta be careful about that, don't we? Gotta be careful. Guard our words. Amen. Uh, Harry Truman said he's never been hurt by anything he didn't say. Did you get that? He said, "I've never been hurt by anything I didn't say." Yogi Berra said, "You can learn a lot. You, you can learn a lot by, or you can watch a lot by observing. Get that? You'll get that after a while." Said so we ought to guard, guard our words, guard our mouth. We got little ones around. Here. We got we got young Christians around here. We better guard our words because we don't want to cause division. That's one thing that scares me is division and disunity in the church. I tell you, it'll choke a life out of a preacher. It'll choke a life out of a church. May God help us. Is our opinions really matter that much? It, it, at the end of the day, it really don't matter. Well, he said or she said or she done. I don't know about anything. I just know Baptists. I've been hanging out with them for 32 years. I just know them. I know them good because I are one of them. It's really not worth it.
Amen. Consider the good of the church. I'm not talking about covering up sin. Okay, we, you know me better than that. I'm talking about putting our opinions, putting our putting ourselves aside, and saying it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Here's the last thing. What are the design of good works? What is the design? Verses 12 through 15. Let's finish up the book tonight. When I shall send uh, Artemis unto thee, or Tychius, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, and I have determined there to win her, bring Zenos the Lord and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they may be not unfruitful. All that are with me, salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. What is the design? Why does God want us to maintain good works? I'll give you two things in closing in my, in my final six minutes, okay? Number one, to profit souls. Look at verse number eight. Maintain good works. So look at that last sentence. These things are good and profitable unto men. When we maintain good works, it is profitable unto men. I wrote down sinners next to that verse. I believe that's where we let our light shine before men, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But look at verse number 13. He talks about Paul's going to send somebody, send Artemis, Articus unto him to relieve him so Titus can come back and help Paul. But look at verse 13. He said, Titus, when you come, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. What is Paul telling Timothy to do, Titus to do there? He said, you make sure that Zenos and Apollos has everything they need on their journey. Make sure they have the necessary needs that they're not wanting. In other words, good works affect sinners and good works affects the saints. Be a blessing to your brother in the Lord. You know what you folks did this week during our Jubilee when you made those baskets? You was a blessing to those preachers. Preacher, why did you bring those preachers in? You didn't have any of them preach. You didn't have any of them sing. You know why? I really didn't know why until Monday night during the invitation. You know what I got to watch? I got to watch pastors come to the altar. I don't get to go to the altar call during the service. I'm running the altar call. But I, we get, you know what our church did? Our church financially provided a room, provided meals, gave them gifts so they could come and they could respond to an altar call. You know, it, that brought, I, I, some of the preachers said, said, boy, we actually got to respond in the invitation. Most of the time, we're running the thing. Some of them got to sit with their families in church. I can't tell you the last time I sat with my family in church. I'm not complaining. But what did we do? We brought those men on their journey. We was a blessing to them. That's a good work. And here's the last thing. To profit souls and to please the Savior. Look at verse 14. Let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, watch it now, that they be not unfruitful. How do we please the Lord? John chapter 15, verse number 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now, I'm not being critical. i got three minutes. I, I know I preach longer than I normally do. Let me, are you all all right? I've heard preachers preach for years that that much fruit is souls. In John 15, you bring forth much fruit, that's souls. 
But the context of John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and he's given the discourse about the, discourse about the Holy Spirit of God coming. You know what that fruit is? That, that much fruit that glorifies God? It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. It is producing the fruit of the Spirit. That pleases God. By the way, when you do that, souls will be saved because you'll be the witness you need to be. You'll be the testimony you need to be. Why do I need to maintain good works? Because I want to please Jesus. Hadn't Jesus been good to you? Hadn't He been kind to you? Then I need to maintain good works that I may glorify Him and walk in the Spirit. I love the last verse of this book. This really don't have much to do with the message. Paul's just saying goodbye. And these goodbyes always stir my heart. He said, all that are with me, salute thee. I love this phrase. Greet them that love us in the faith. This is the same Paul that just a few years before was killing these people. And now they love him. How could that happen? God's grace. And that's what he says. Grace be with y'all. And let the church say, Amen. Amen. Thank God for His Word tonight. May God help us to maintain good works. As we stand for prayer tonight, Brother Matthew's going to play a verse of invitation. As he comes, we don't, we don't do good works to be saved, but we ought to maintain good works because we are saved. You ought to come to this altar if God spoke to your heart and said, God, would you put somebody in my path this week to be a blessing to Lord, would you put an opportunity in my life to produce a good work, to be a blessing, to help somebody? It might be somebody in the church. It might be somebody in the job. It might be somebody out in the community that you can be a blessing to. But may God help us to maintain good works that we might glorify Jesus Christ and please Him. Anybody else tonight need to come? Maintain.